Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Welcome to the Mike on Much Podcast. I'm your host, Mike Beerman. We're here with our friend and trusted producer, Max Kerman. We also have our pop culture aficionado, Shane Cunningham. Guys, what's going on? Well, no, 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 no. Don't bury the lead. What's going on with you, Mike? How was your week? It was, it's was. it been a week. It's been a week. Uh, as uh, anyone that's listened to this podcast knows, I have been expecting a baby. Danica was very pregnant. I didn't know if the baby was going to come maybe in a previous pod and I would have to run out uh, and, and go be at the hospital. Uh, that did not happen. Uh, it happened off mic, which is a little less exciting uh, maybe for the listeners, but no less exciting for me. It was, uh, yeah, it was wild. I was, I, we have another baby. So th- that's the deal. Name. Roberta. Middle name. Roberta Wren Elaine Vier. Uh, is our daughter and she is here why uh ren phonetically i think danica really liked it she and danica even liked that name that was in the running for like ren? the first name r-e-n uh w-r-e-n max you can't be dissing middle names because i'm gonna save you right now because middle names usually are important for different reasons so you can't mm. like yes diss them. oh I, I, you were about to tear it apart and then you know. and then it turns out that that's like your favorite aunt or something like that well, I mean, this maybe Shane did save you because Elaine is my mother's name, and that was the second middle name. I know that. I like the name Elaine. I was gonna shit on Ren. <laughs> okay, that yeah. saved you. Yeah. No. Uh, yeah. So, so that's her name, and she's here, and uh, yeah, it's been you know Shane knows, and everyone's told me like two is it just it's chaos, and you're you know you're basically in it for however long. I don't know, Shaney. When did you feel like you were coming out of sort of the madness of two kids? The chaos. I don't know to pinpoint it, but all I know is I was looking forward to nine months only because somebody DM'd me and said it gets easier after nine months when you have two. So I was Mm. counting down till nine months. And for some reason, just because someone told me that it felt like it did get easier at nine months. But I don't know if it actually did or if it was just a mental (laughs) weird thing. It's definitely way easier now at 16 months or whatever it is. 
Well, this is the thing is it's like, it's nice to have targets though, mm -hmm. whether it's nine months or not, I like to have something that I can even lie to myself about it getting easier because right now, like no one's sleeping. It's all the cliches you see in the shows and all that stuff. And even like the birth, like when it went down, I was, I was down here sort of in the office and Winona was watching some TV and I was writing and Danica's like, I, I, it's happening. I, I think, I think it's happening. We gotta, we gotta go. And we had prepped for this, you know, like I knew the route to the hospital, and all this stuff. And so we immediately go into our game plan and we get Winona's bag and my brother-in-law comes over and grabs Winona cause she was going to Danica's sisters. And, and then we're like, we're heading down to the hospital and Dan is very like, like she, she kind of likes quiet. She doesn't want, like, I'm like, what are we going to talk about as we take this drive where she's just like, <sighs> And my, my memory device for where I needed to go when I got to the McMaster hospital, we did it at McMaster here in Hamilton was cause there's like all these different areas and there's like a child area for your birthing in McMaster. Yeah. And so I knew it was in the red section and number four from our scouting trip. So my way to remember was Raptors red Scotty Barnes, number four. <laughs> so I'm driving and I'm just going, okay, when you get into that underground parking, remember Raptors red Scotty Barnes, number four, and then you'll know where to park. But because I was being quiet and I was just kind of saying that in my head as we're driving, I started going like Raptors red, Scotty Barnes number four. I'm thinking that. And then my brain just kind of started going like, man, he really is having a great rookie season. I wonder if he's still in contention for rookie of the year. And I start thinking about Scotty Barnes and I'm just, I'm kind of, and then all of a sudden I hear like, he, he, and I'm like, oh shit, right. I'm in, I'm doing this. This is what I'm doing right now. And, and I'm like, I'm like, it's going to be okay. And guys are so stupid. So guys dumb. So stupid. But yeah. And then we got there and all the typical things again, like, Shane knows like when you're there in the delivery room and, and your partner's going through this sort of like miraculous, but also sort of terrifying experience and so much pain and blah, 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 all the things that are sort of involved in, in, in what goes on. You don't really know what to do as the, as the, the guy, like the, you're kind of there and you're like, you know, if I'm like, Oh baby, like you got this, it feels performative. And like Danica doesn't like fake shit. So <laughs> I'm like, but so now I'm just kind of like quiet, but then the midwife is there and I'm like, the midwife is going to think I'm a shitty partner if I don't say something. <laughs> so now I feel like I need to say, cause the midwife's like rubbing her back. But when I rub the back, it's like, I'm told to, you know, no babe. I'm like, okay. So, but then the mud, so I just, I, I don't know what to do. And then like, we sort of really get into it. And I'm like, I'm like, you, you got this, you got this. And she's like, don't talk to me like I'm a little baby. <laughs> I'm like, okay. So then I'm just like, I'm going to be quiet and let her like squeeze the shit out of my hand. And then, you know, eventually R Roberta starts coming out and it's miraculous. And I'm, I'm taping the thing like, you know, RIP Bob Saget with America's home videos. Like I've, I've got the camcorder, like I'm that dad. And we taped the first, I'm taping the second. It is hard. I, Shane, I know you taped cause we've seen, you've posted on the mic a much, I think with, um, was it with Betty? Where you posted the video of her coming out, or was that Lou? I can't remember. I both of them had a video of them coming out that we posted online. But with Betty, who's my second child, she I live streamed basically the whole birth because, like you said, <laughs> it's awkward. And if you don't have a specific activity to do, you're just the guy <laughs> saying weird stuff to your wife, and you feel like a movie character. But filming, it's like, oh, it's okay. We have a social media account. We're trying to get to ten thousand followers today. <laughs> Because back at the time, if you got to 10,000 followers, you were able to do swipe ups, which can change your social media account. And I had told Alex, I promise you, we will get 10,000 followers by Betty, by Betty's birthday. But we were at 9,500. So I needed to use the birth as this thing to get everyone to watch. And sure enough, we ended up with 12,000 followers. Wow. Based on the live stream. A miracle. Yeah. 
it, it really was, uh, you know, one of the, <laughs> the happiest mir- days of my life. Yeah, the miracle of streaming birth. Um, yes. Yeah, and uh, and so so yeah, like like I'm filming and it's happening, and then the baby's kind of half out, and then she's fully out, and then just tears and bawling, and I didn't I didn't know because like once you when you've done it once too, you're kind of like you're kind of cooler like about the process in some ways. You're kind of like ah, we've been here before, like you know what to expect. But then when it actually the moment happened. I was like a, a puddle again and it was all of those things that I didn't know if I would feel and you felt it. And then, yeah, now we're in the practical stuff, but Hey man, it was a, uh, it was a journey. And, um, and here we are. Do you feel like kind of the way I feel, um, <laughs> when <laughs> I can't wait to hear what you say. <laughs> so like the first time, like our Kel's like sold out bud stage, yeah, right? Yeah. Everyone's like, wow, great job. And like sending me lots of texts and stuff like that. The second time we sold out bud stage, like no one, none of our friends really cared so much. You, you probably about like a third of the text came through being like, good job. Do you feel the same way that it's like the second baby doesn't get the same amount of just like praise and love for, for the parents as well? Well, anecdotally, maybe, maybe you perceive it that way because I don't know. It's a good question. Maybe, maybe that just kind of happens <laughs> with the second kid, but I don't really feel that. I will say Shane and Alex wonderfully sent us like a, an Uber Eats like gift card, which is such oh. a thoughtful thing for new parents because no one's got time to cook or do anything. I think it's the best move. I've been going so through my mind on what is the best gift to give to somebody during, you know, a terrible time or a really celebratory time where like, like a birth but they don't have time to cook. Uber Eats is always the best thing to send to someone. Yeah. Especially we had a snowstorm during those couple of days mm. too. So it's Crazy. not like I could stop by your house and drop off like a bottle of whatever. So it, it seemed like the perfect thing. It was. Um, very thoughtful. I, <laughs> um, Ash and I, just for the record, had a text maybe three days ago saying, we should send Mike and Danica some like burnt tongue or something like that. <laughs> And, and then we never did. Uh, but it's the thought that counts. Ash, Ash is texting me on the side going, uh, fuck, we can't do it anymore. Now. <laughs> uh, so we're going to do it. It'll be a surprise. It's OK. There's a lot going on. And I will say, like, I'm not precious about people. You realize that people just have their own thing. So even though I'm going through this life altering experience, other people, it's just a Wednesday or it, it happened on a Friday. It's just Friday. They're working. And I know that because I have friends that have given birth and all those things. And you just kind of go back to your life, but their life sort of like carries on. So I don't, at least you guys thought about it that, you know, that makes me feel good. And no, 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 it, it'll be in the mail. Okay. Um, yeah. <laughs> How relieved was Danica? Cause she almost like kicked the bucket yeah. after the first kid. Right. Yeah. So this, this birth going a little bit smoother. What does that mean? Kick the bucket. What does that like mean? she almost died? Oh, it's yeah. probably a better way to say it. Uh, than kick the bucket. <laughs> but more I knew she had a, a tough, birth yeah. where it was, well, very, was like, very what does scary. kick the bucket like what is that it's saying originally? the origin like the etymology i, I, the I think it's like when people would murder Hang people them? in like a town square you kick the bucket out from underneath ah, their legs and like town, town hangings town hangings yeah that makes sense yeah it wasn't <laughs> my really best choice thing. of words <laughs> <laughs> i don't know why that came to me but she because she's alive and well it felt like okay it's oh, I don't yeah. have to be super sensitive about No, this. she's thriving. But my apologies to Danica if she's offended. Oh, she won't but be. Yeah, it's, she's just happy to be alive remains. and to have not kicked yes. the bucket. <laughs> uh no, yeah, like you said I talked about this on on on, on one of our podcasts like uh from when Winona was born like 3 years ago, but after like the birth of Win, our first child, there was like heavy hemorrhaging and it was very intense mm-hmm. where the midwives everything in the room kind of changed where it was like things kind of changed and then time was passing and Danica went like 
super white and blue and then they like the doctor had to come in and it was like there was about five minutes there where it was really really intense and they had to like do all this preventive stuff to stop the bleeding so even with that like going into this one there was a, there was that trauma left over where you're going mm-hmm. oh man like i don't know like it's, it's always in the back of your mind like you know yeah i think we're gonna walk out of here people give birth they've been doing it for millions of years etc cetera, etc cetera. but it's in the back of your mind so for this birth it was like so quick we got like mm-hmm. we got to the hospital at noon the baby came at 221 and they we walked back into our house at six o'clock we did it all in wow. in business hours it was wild when we got home with the kid we're kind of like should they have let us leave like are we allowed, are we supposed to be yeah. sitting here with the kid Common this thought, is, yeah this is weird uh, because with winona like i said we had to stay at the hospital for like three days two days two nights three days or something like that for them to observe but yeah, anyway, so like it's all good, but here we are. Shane, uh, you because you live in this world a little bit more mm-hmm. in, in the in the family world. Like would that make like a funny book or podcast of like just dumb shit husbands or fathers are thinking like while all this is happening like the scotty barnes thing is so great and like you live streaming like i want a coffee table book of just like little anecdotes of like and then or whatever like would that it be, could would that be be good be- but all these little things we're thinking is to save us i think from panicking or making your wife uncomfortable so yeah. you're mm-hmm. trying weird stuff to normalize this extremely scary situation that doesn't happen very often yeah because even if you're an absolute pro at watching people give birth what's the most you could have like 10 kids you've only done it 10 times that's like professional dads have only been through it 10 times so i do (laughs) although it sounds like we're idiots i do think it is a coping mechanism to get through that weird time definitely definitely just not wanting to say the wrong thing you just want like everything Mm -hmm. you hear leading up to it is about being the best support person you can for the person that is going through the act, like the person that's giving birth. So you're just like, how do I not ruin this? How do I not blow this? How do I be the best? And sometimes that's just, if it's what your partner wants, it's to shut up. But then it's like, well, normally I'm listening to a podcast. I don't know what to do with my brain right now. You know? So you kind of just like, <laughs> you just, you wander a bit, but, um, Winnie's reaction to me. And oh, Alberta. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Good. She, we brought her home. So, so Winona stayed over, uh, at Danica's sisters for the night. So we had Roberta here for the night. We brought Win in in the morning and she got to meet her little sister for the first time. And we did like a lot of work of being like, hey, like you've been you've been around, you know, you've been in, in the game for three years. You know what the world's all about. You're going to have to teach your sister things. And so she really took like the big sister thing to heart, I think, because we really sort of drove it home, like tried to give her empower her with responsibility. So she got excited about uh, Roberta and literally like Roberta was here and Winona came up and you could tell she was like kind of surprised like oh there's like a little baby you don't see little babies every day you know i don't think Wynn's ever seen a little baby that little and so she like she kind of like came up and she kind of felt her out and then within like a minute or two she just started telling her about easter like exactly what happened mm. like it was almost like of all the things that i've learned in my three years this is what you need to know there's an easter bunny he brings his chocolate eggs where you have to sleep for the night and she just started breaking down what the process was and it was so sweet <laughs> i was just like filming the whole thing and but she's been what are we on like day four now or something day five She's been like awesome. She hasn't little tinges. Like I feel like she wants to hang with me like a lot more. You know what I mean? Like a little bit like that. But she hasn't like tried to murder the baby or anything like that. So that's a win. It feels like. Does Uncle Max need to come in? And, uh, do some <laughs> Uncle Max? Yeah. yeah. If you got a biography, you can show Winona uh, that I could give her to you for an <laughs> afternoon. That would be nice. Yeah. MLK coming right up. Yeah. <laughs> How was Lou? Was Lou good, or did she, did she manifest a lot? Because you hear that a lot, and it might still happen. Like where Winona gets jealous with all the attention the baby gets. We pretended that Betty got Lou a stuffy. Yeah. So it was like, oh, look, here's your sister. She wanted to give you a stuffy. 
And then once Lou got the stuffy, she was just weirded out. We filmed the whole thing. <laughs> it was a little surreal for Lou. Her mind, you could see, was getting blown, and she was thinking about the implications of it <laughs> and the time. And then, uh, yeah, my my like my father-in-law, my mother-in-law were over too, and it was all cute and whatever. Then they left. The second the door closed, both of them started freaking out. Like Betty started crying and Lucy started freaking out. And then <laughs> Alex had a breakdown. She's like, I can't do this. And it was like, oh my God, this is what it's like to have two kids. This is going to be terrible. And then for the next week after that, it was just me coming to terms with the fact that I have two kids in the house and a wife who's recovering from a pregnancy mm. and how much more I'm going to have to step up, which was, yeah, it wasn't a fun time. And Mike, you should uh, start uh, like putting like five dollar bills under Wynn's bed and just say they're from Roberta. Big like, Roberta left you another treat. <laughs> I don't think kids care about money as much. No, like, maybe they, chocolate. They, they, they probably do. Yeah, they, they see it. Um, before we wrap this up, yeah. Um, do do you want to uh, talk about a podcast you're doing related to the subject? I do. You actually beat me to the segue, Max, because mm, Shane okay. Shane brought up Alex, and we're talking about children, and we're talking about the process, and this is a great opportunity for me to talk about something else I've been working on um, with Shane's wonderful partner, Alex. So there is this new show on CTV called Children Ruin Everything, and it's about a set of parents raising like young children as these parents struggle to sort of hang on to their pre-kid lives. The show is actually by the people that do Letterkenny. So, you know, the show is great. Lots of laughs. Um, Alex and I are co-hosting the companion podcast called Children Rune Podcast, which is sort of like we start with a recap of that week's episode and themes. And then Alex and I get into like personal anecdotes about sort of our experience raising children. Um, and also we have like lots of great guests on every episode and sort of each episode lines up with an episode of the television show for its run. What's cool about working with Alex, what I want to say is obviously I know Alex sort of like personally because we're friends and obviously she's married to Shane. So we've hung out social and all that stuff, but I've never worked with her sort of in this capacity before. I've never really done another pod in this capacity co-hosting with anyone other than you two. Um, but it was so cool to sort of like uh, work with her in this way because she is uh, like super talented, obviously. Shane knows from working on this family tree with her, but um, just so dedicated to wanting to sort of get it right and working out sort of the bits and how the show is going to go. And this is actually a shorter podcast. It's just just over 30 minutes. So it's like sort of figuring out what to do and, you know, sort of how passionate she was about the edits. It was uh, really cool to sort of sort of do that along with sort of just the flow that you hear in the episodes. Um, and yeah, so uh, I hope you check it out if you're listening to this or you listen to this family tree maybe you're a fan of both podcasts it's like a crossover event with the both of us um and i believe the first two episodes are up now uh, everywhere you get podcasts um but i i wanted to ask from shane's perspective was it weird having alex your partner sort of because she's only done the podcast with you for this family tree what, what from your perspective because we haven't really talked about it at all other than some of the the creative on the pod but what was the experience like from your perspective well, yeah, like I'm a jealous guy a little bit when it comes to <laughs> creative stuff. And uh, so when Alex, she has said good stuff about you too, Mike, but I kind of, uh, you know, zone out. So I can't remember what exactly <laughs> it is. So I'm like, yeah, yeah, I, I get it. Mike's so great and per so professional and such a good host. And because I'm on our podcast, This Family Tree, I'm not hosty or professional really. My job is more to fill in the color commentary parts. Whereas I think Alex likes being with you, who's very professional, hosty, and can like organize the thoughts and the conversations mm. well. So she likes that. For me, I like the fact 
because we share a bank account. So any money that comes into the house, <laughs> I get too. So it doesn't feel as competitive. <laughs> so I'm always rooting for her to succeed because a win for her is a win for uh, me as well. Yes, yes. Financially speaking. <laughs> yeah. Now that's beautiful, man. I, I'm wiping away a tear. <laughs> I'm very proud of her is what I'm trying to say. And you. And I think you're both excellent hosts. Oh, yeah. Okay. That's, yeah. Uh, very cool. But yeah, so check it out. If you're into uh, that, check out the show. Cause it's cool. Again, like our friends, the, our letter Kenny crew, sort of that team has put this together. It's a cool show. The podcast uh, companion children rune podcast. Check it out, man. It's me and Alex eight episodes. It's a good time. Would you be jealous if I started a podcast with Danica? <laughs> I would be so fascinated <laughs> to hear it. I'm a fan of you both so much. I I'm such a, that'd be weird chemistry though. Honestly, Why? Danica me? and Shane, like what the, <laughs> that'd be so bizarre. We'd have so so many laughs. Danica's the perfect person to make laugh. We'd have a yeah. good time. I think it'd be good chemistry. I'm offended by that. <laughs> Why that? Unusual. Who would be bad? Well, Danica strikes me as like sort of a serious person. So you would make her laugh, no. but she begrudgingly laughed. She's a jokester, man. She is. She's, She's sneaky, funny. funny. And she likes jokes. And I think Danica's one of the only wives I could do it with who I'm actually comfortable with. Mm. What would the theme of the pod be? I think we're just talking about our lives as parents. Uh, no, but it can't be, be another fucking parenting podcast. Please. <laughs> Please, Max. honestly, all, yeah, it has to be something unrelated to parenting. <laughs> no, why? Why? Why have that restriction? <laughs> because you guys have this family tree. Mike's got his pocket. Do, does there need to be another one? There's another Fine. One. It's a it's pop a- culture podcast. Thank There's you. A much needed <laughs> pop culture podcast. There's one thing we need as a society. <laughs> uh, oh, man. Good times. Good times. But it is only an, it's only an eight episode uh, uh, sort of uh, pod series that i'm doing with alex guys you know this is here she's got family tree they're killing it you know this is this is my home and because it's my home i think it's a good time to transition to our topics for this week uh once again because it felt like last week went so well uh we all brought topics to the table maxi do we want to start did you do do you want to go with yours first yeah i'll go first um because my first topic by the way we kind of covered it was mike has a podcast with my wife how jealous should i be how jealous would you be? <laughs> How close are friends allowed to get to wives? That would be- <laughs> yeah, wait, would it be weird if like Alex and I started to just hang out outside of you guys? Like we started like going for coffee or whatever, or like, you know, doing a book club. That's what I was thinking. I was like, what if they, they got really close in a working relationship? And obviously I trust you both. But what would be the thing where I'm even jealous that you're becoming better friends than even you and I are? Mm. I was wondering if there'd be a line that could be crossed. I wonder, question. this has happened though within our friend groups. I was actually thinking about like, you know, the 15 of us uh, that all met in Hamilton, how it's like my entry point was to Dan, but then I, you know, lived with Sean Dawson and then I lived with Greg and I've had moments in time where it's like my relationship with lots of those people are closer than the original person that brought me in. Mm. And I always wonder, I'm like, is there ever any jealousy uh, between the dudes were like, oh, I thought that guy was my best friend, but now they're best friends. And I don't, for the most part, I don't think dudes give a fuck uh, about that. So, but I do think Shane does give a fuck. I was just going to say, yes. <laughs> There's one dude who does, and I know him well. My, <laughs> <laughs> I know him well. My, uh, well, my, my brother was Shane's like bestie. So in some ways, I almost feel like I interloped on Greg and Shane's thing and sort of like, absorbed Shane as my bestie. You know, I feel bad about that sometimes. Well, it's shit when two of your closest friends are brothers because 
of course, when the wedding comes around, I'm never the best man. <laughs> it's the brother gets all the best man. So I'm going to live my whole life without ever being a best man. Right. That's tough. Really? Yeah. My brother was my best man. I will be my brother's best man in November when he gets married. And Shane has mentioned this before. And it, yeah, it's, it's a tough one. Mm-hmm. I was Shane's best man. Well, Greg, it, you made it easy, too. And not to take away from your best man honor, <laughs> but Greg couldn't make my wedding. So that made the decision for yes. me. Yes. Oh, totally. Totally. But I still think you would have been best man. It just would have been a co-best man thing, or I would have made mm. up some weird thing. But I feel <laughs> like it's not part of the life experience to never be a best man. So I wonder if I'm capable of making a friendship in my late 30s that's tight enough with a person who's about to get married where they would make me best man. Shane, I, I'm still up for for grabs if that ever happens to me. You know, you so would you can, make me best man. You can, you can make a push. All I'm saying, this is the nature of these friendships, is that it kind of comes in, like, you know, sometimes it's like if, if you're the best friend at the right moment, I might get spontaneous yeah. and go, you know, Dan Hamilton, I know we have a history and stuff, Matt Frookman, you know, all, all my old school friends. But if you really kind of hit my heartstrings at, at the right time and you work on it starting today... It's true. You could be in the running. Yeah. Because we might we might get really close working with this sketch show, like a lot of work mm. calls, and then yeah. work calls will seep into friendship calls, and yeah. it could blend together. Because I think I've got about 10 years before you even <laughs> think about me. You can, you can put in that work. Yes. You're right. It's not as silly as I first thought. All right. Let's get on to the topic here. Um, okay. So my uh, topic is... Uh, I don't know if you guys uh, saw this press conference uh, from uh, Leon Dratzel for, uh, for the Edmonton Oilers that happened, I think, yesterday, last night. To catch Where this. he was being very polite or very rude? He, uh, he was basically being a little grumpy. And then the beat reporter for the Oilers. I'm going to play it for you guys right now. Ooh. Um, what do you think is the number one reason for the losses now? Is there, is there one thing that you, in your own mind you're saying, we got to get better at that? Yeah, we have, we have to get better at everything. Would you like to expand on that? No. Nope. You can do that. You know everything. Why are you so pissy, Leon? Hmm? Why are you so pissy? I'm not. I'm just I, answering your question. Yeah, you are. Whenever I ask you a question. I gave you an answer. Not a very good one. <laughs> okay. I have one more for you. Leon, you show your frustration on the Anyway, first of all, this is the most Canadian argument ever. Why are you being so pissy, eh? And like their no, accents not. were so apparent to me. It's like I'm not being pissy, eh? Like if they didn't say a, eh, but everything about that exchange just felt like like an SCTV sketch to me. It was a polite. It was the most polite, like sort of like contentious argument ever. Well, and he's talking about how frustrated he gets on the ice, and then he's getting frustrated in the interview. He's just as bad as him. <laughs> Like, that's not professional from the interviewer to be, or the person asking the question. Why are you so pissy? Well, now you're just being pissy. Yeah. Well, okay, this leads me, yeah, I mean, it's hilarious. And it kind of leads me to kind of a a broader brainstorm I want to have with you guys. Because you guys are both sports fans. uh, And you don't really have to be a sports fan to appreciate this. uh, So don't tune out. But um, the nature of the post-game interview is, is interesting because there are, some athletes that are awesome, they give great, great quotes. Like Fred Van Vliet for the Toronto Raptors, for instance. Like he is always sort of like dropping wisdom for the most part. I think during his post- the right amount so, of humor. Yeah, he's perfect. He's awesome. He's great. I'd say the the large majority though of athletes uh, really shut down. Uh, would you say? Would mm-hmm. you guys agree with that? Yeah, like, it's pretty boring, pretty pointless. Um, most people, not just athletes, yeah. don't know how to sort of expand on what they're feeling or what they're thinking. Like. 
pro athletes are no different. It's like you probably only a small percentage of the general pro athlete population are probably going to be sort of super thoughtful and able to articulate that in that kind of setting. Like that's, it's it, you know, think about like all your buddies. Like, I mean, obviously we have a high number of guys that talk, but like, it's probably still only like five out of like 20 that you would feel comfortable sticking in front of a mic if they've had like a bad moment. Yeah. I totally agree with all that. So my question is, like, is there a better way to do post-game interviews? Is there, like, a new paradigm we can think about? And I know this would cause problems with, like, all the beat reporters because all the beat reporters need to be there. They all want to feel like they have uh, a chance to ask a question. But, like, is this large group Q&A a good idea? Like, would it be – and maybe for some athletes it's good. So it's like Fred Van Fleet, for instance – is in the category of like, okay, we can put Fred in a room and uh, that's good. But then there's other athletes that say, hey, we're going to stick you one-on-one with this particular uh, journalist who you have a really good rapport with. You're going to like build a good rapport with so we can actually get good information from you after a game. I know this is all very unrealistic, but do, do you think that like if, if you could make the rules, if you're the head of PR for a league, you're going, oh, you know what, we're not going to do like the big presser after – so-and-so is only going to spend some time with one person after the game, and, and they're going to get 20 minutes with them. Well, and maybe that's, would... that's boring, though. You want moments like that. That's, <laughs> what you, that's what you want to see. Like, a, a lot of communication is nonverbal. So although their words weren't the best there, what that guy was emoting was awesome to watch. It was awesome. The problem is it, it doesn't get that competitive. Is it like if this was like every post game interview for every team whenever anybody lost and they're like, you're getting pissy. He's like, no, I'm not. It's like, fuck you. Fuck you. Like, that'd be amazing. Don't yes. get me wrong. I would love nothing more. Can you imagine after every single game, the losing team has to go out and they get into just a yelling argument and like a really like sort of like emotional interaction with the beat reporter that would be awesome but i just don't think it happens so then i'm like okay how do we solve this problem do you have any okay do you guys have any solutions uh or what, what would you like to see well i think ultimately it's like that thing where it's like sports are entertainment all facets of it not just what happens between the lines but the whole sort of like circus that surrounds professional sports right everything is entertainment everything is contact so it's like yeah, like, is it maybe not best for the athlete or an executive or whatever to do a scrum like that? Maybe, but I think from the league's perspective, and one, like fairness to journalists, like you said, everyone's got to get their question. If you have one person always getting the conversation, it, it could become favoritism, it could become skewed, it can, yeah. you know, it can be spun, all that stuff. So it's like, I don't know... I just, I guess the question is, are you trying to protect sort of the athletes and maybe their mental health or not put them like under a spotlight? I just want to be able for them to uh, articulate interesting ideas. And I think they're unable to, a lot of people are unable to, if they're in a room full of people w watching or something. Do you know what I mean? I think like, yeah, if it was more of like a therapy session or something where you're actually somewhat more honest or vulnerable. Not that it's in their interest to do that either. I just, I'm, yeah, and maybe there's no solution here, but. Shane, uh, on the entertainment tip, do you have any ways to make it more entertaining? I think it is pretty entertaining. I like watching awkward moments and bad questions, how people handle it. I often fantasize that I'm the person being asked the question, <laughs> and I, I pretend I'm an athlete. Uh, okay, okay, let, let, let's do a little role play. Okay, uh, Shane, really tough shooting night tonight. Uh, 3 of 14, uh, you played 35 minutes. Uh, you, you turned the ball over six times. Uh, two rebounds, one assist. Uh, I know it was a, t a tough game for everybody. Uh, it seemed like you got frustrated. You also got a technical foul. Um, how would you say you'd like to uh, reflect on this game, and, and what do you think about the next game? You know, I, ha I had a bad game, 
and I have a lot of bad games. I get nervous out there. There's so many cameras on me with the, with the crowd watching and cheering. It's super distracting. So I prefer it if we could empty the stadiums, take off the cameras, and you'll see how I really play. I'm not the type of guy who likes being looked at. However, I know that the sport needs the cameras and the crowd to generate revenue. So I'll accept it, but you'll have to accept me and my subpar play. Uh, Shane, that, that's a total nonsense answer. You know that the, the league depends on the revenue from, from the TVs and people coming into the arena for the tickets. What kind of stupid answer is that? That's a very no. stupid answer. Yeah, that's very stupid. Well, first off, you can go fuck yourself. <laughs> 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 See that would you're right. That would be great. That would be that would be awesome if uh, if that was the kind of interaction. Yeah, I would good. be like the how OG is looked. It would be a little bit different. My Weird. answers. I feel like you guys would be awesome, like legitimate, real answers where you're not getting that eccentric thing going on with you. Mike, what do you got? Listen, I you can't just like lean on Roberta this whole episode, right? Like you can't just do that. Are, uh, Max, would you be the sort of boss that doesn't believe in like maternity leave or pat leave? Is that what you're saying right now? <laughs> no, of course. No one deserves course, a break. Uh, no, I. Are, are you on pat leave? Are you on pat leave right now? No, I'm. On, I do have the week off. I I, I have like some time off uh, for the early part of the baby, and then you know what? Maybe down the road I'll take some time off in the back end, maybe in the summer for some pat leave. Uh, nice. That being said, I did come up with notes or subjects uh in the wee hours of the morning while i was holding on to young roberta um okay so as we all know we actually put this in the pod group um we saw that weird al yankovic has a bio pick coming up starring daniel radcliffe as weird al and it's gonna be sort of the story of weird al's life uh when i saw the the release i was like oh this is fascinating and my first thought was Daniel Radcliffe, like, I get it. He's famous. You know, some people think he's iconic because of the Harry Potter stuff. I'm like, but I think he's too short to play Weird Al. I'm sorry. I think he's too short to play Weird Al. It's weird to me. Kind of like the same thing that happened with Han Solo, even though Han Solo is a fictional character. And of course, Weird Al is real. Um, But it got me thinking. And this is a pretty common question. If they were to do a biopic about any of our lives, who would be our first choice to star as us? The person that you would say, oh, go out and get that person. Because I wonder if, if Daniel Radcliffe was number one on Weird Al's list. I don't, like, was he number five? Was he the only guy? Like, I don't know how they got to Daniel Radcliffe, but I imagine he had a short list of names. Do you guys have the person that you would want to play you in the biopic of your lives? This is going to seem like a odd coincidence, but I was going to say Weird Al. <laughs> <laughs> to play you? Yes. Final <laughs> pick starts with him at the current age that he is. <laughs> I do think you and Weird Al are about the same height, actually, though. Which you know, what I how mean? do you know Weird Al's height? I didn't even know he was considered tall or short. Doesn't he feel like wiry, tall to you? Like Weird Al is so like gangly in my mind, you know. Whereas like Daniel Radcliffe is so compact. But I feel like Radcliffe is wiry too. Maybe uh, yeah, I didn't know he was so short. Okay. Do you, okay. do you think Weird Al could have his career now? Or because there's so many like artists that are doing parody songs and comedy like it feels like it's more commonplace now than it was in the eighties when he started. Do like do you think he could he'd be the same Be way type? tougher. Yeah. He'd way have tougher. to just kick out an album in like two weeks. Weird Al also like he's kind of like the Beatles, I think, to like um, to song parody people. You know what I mean? Yeah. He is the he's like ground zero for Lonely Island, 
for like so many people like uh, uh, who else is doing song parodies now? I feel like so like even what Adam Sandler was doing with, you know what I mean? I guess Adam Sandler was doing originals, yeah. but it's like that sort of jokey music stuff. Like I feel like Weird Al is, is obviously like um, some sort of uh, what do you call it? <laughs> Godfather? That's not the word. No, it's yeah, true. No, I, I remember being so impressed as a kid. When you'd hear the parodies and just go, he nailed every single part of it. Do you know what I mean? Like there was, was a level he your ex- hero, Max? Would you say that? Yeah, I, it was the first concert I ever went to. I'm not kidding. It was Weird Al. Uh, Air Canada Center, 1999. He, he played uh, at ACC. It's really nice to see representation on stage. It was another man with curly hair. So Max could exactly. see what he was doing. I could was dream. Like, I can do that. I said, one day I'm going to be on that stage. <laughs> and I did. You no could play Weird Al in a movie. <laughs> you're, you're six foot yeah uh, yeah i'm six foot weird out is six feet i looked it up while we were talking he wears like kind of goofy hawaiian shirts sometimes he does i'm very used to doing that yeah. uh, is he jewish <laughs> weird al or bob saget who is a bigger influence on your life oh weird al for sure <laughs> weird, al. weird al beats bob saget who you claimed was your hero <laughs> <laughs> he was more he was in mourning shane of course he claimed he was his hero right he is not jewish despite having a song pretty pretty fly for a rabbi uh, he's a long, lifelong observant Christian. Mm. Now we know. Wow, Bob Saget's Jewish. Is he? Yes. Does that change anything? <laughs> well, I'm on Team Bob, I guess. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, I, he doesn't look Jewish at all. Oh, interesting. Uh, who who plays you in the biopic of your life, Max? Uh, I feel like I kind of had this conversation recently because uh, Jay Onright did this thing with uh, where he cast uh, an Arkell's biopic uh, as a as a mm. skit for a show. Yeah, you were Timothy had, Chalamet. Yeah, I'll take that just because uh, I can't. No one else really comes to mind. You got any better ideas? What if it was someone who wasn't cute and you had nothing behind <laughs> the biopic? It was an unauthorized biopic, oh. and they picked someone who wasn't cute. Is this or an opportunity for you handsome. to insult me? Like, what, what, what would you say? <laughs> no, because you want me to say Charlie Day and you to have a little fit. But I just <laughs> someone recently commented in our DMs that you look like Roman, not Roman from. Um, Succession. Oh, uh, Kieran? Kendall, Kieran Kendall, Kendall, Kendall. Yeah, Kendall. Yeah, I look like Kendall. That's Jeremy Strong said you're identical to Kendall. <laughs> Interesting. I'll take it. Okay. You yeah. know what? Here's the thing. Kendall, I like this. Jeremy Strong doing the biopic for me. He's such a good actor, and he is a method actor too. Mm. So the idea of Jeremy Strong just walking around being intensely oh, I'd me love it every yes. day. <laughs> so fucking funny i love him so much after that article that i would be honored to him whimsically like him like in like in a very intense way whimsically walking around on the phone all day like going into coffee shops sort of just having conversations with everybody but in a very like kind of whimsical silly way in the way that i normally kind of go about my day would be a hilarious thing for jeremy strong to have to channel do you know what I mean? Like, because it's like it's my my day is not intense really at all. Then he, and he'd have to he'd have to do that. It'd be good. What about you, Mike? Well, there's like there's the ones we'd like. You know, your in your 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 mind's eye of like you know like if Max is Timothy Chalamet, you know I love you know like if a Jake Gyllenhaal type was going to do it. But the other thing too is it's like there's a mm-hmm. timeline thing. Do we have to pick somebody really young now because they're doing the biopic of our lives? You know what I mean? It's like if the person you're yeah, picking that's is the, the same problem. age. I can only think of like. Crispin Glover or like Luke Wilson or <laughs> something people. like that. Yeah. I, also, Ash says there's 0% chance that we haven't covered this topic before. Oh, like, we've done it before. I was actually surprised, Max, you didn't call Mike out on yeah, yeah. kind of like, the familiar, generic nature like, of this. Wow. Okay, Shane, give us. Give wow. Us. You always pick on me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I should have went with my Sorry. other two. You, you have Mike on a big pedestal. But uh, as far as the topic of Weird Al, do we think there can be another parody king or is it like Carrot Top where there can be only one prop comic? 
who's famous. Yeah, I think there can only be one. I think like we've reached um, a point in pop culture where it's just like we're past peak, like um, what's the word for mon- yeah, monoculture. Mm-hmm. And so it's just like the way that Weird Al was known by everybody. There's so many sort of sub genres of, of pop culture now that people ascribe to and could be very immersed and there could be very popular people that exist in one subgenre, but then like a whole bunch of other people don't have any clue who they are. So I, th- I think like the amount of like just straight up like movie stars or pop stars um, that are known by everybody, I think is really shrinking now. Not to say that there aren't really massive musicians and really massive uh, actors and things like that, but they just don't have the same like unanimous like consensus that everybody knows who that person is. So no. Yeah, I I don't know. I I like I I don't think there can be like I think Weird Al's kind of it makes me think of like when I think back to like I don't know, like there's old country artists that people are like, "No, that was the beginning of like folk or whatever." You know what I mean? There's probably somebody that came before Johnny Cash and then John like it's like like at some point I think we're probably going to forget Weird Al. Like how, where are we as a culture on Lonely Island right now? Did that like come and go in a way that they're not culturally relevant anymore? I don't know the answer to that. I'm, I'm asking the question. Like you could say, oh, like 22 year olds think Lonely Island is the shit. It's awesome. But like, mm-hmm. do they even know what it is? And I certainly don't think that they're like excited about this announcement, of the Weird Al movie. The Weird Al movie announcement's more for like our generation Oscar. and people older mm-hmm. than us. So it's yeah. like as that as it's almost like this moving timeline of what's relevant. And I. I feel like in the past, before this fractured sort of like culture, like Max says, it's like we at least could agree that there was these like pillars, like the Beatles or the Stones or whatever this stuff for, for, that were like the biggest thing in the world. But that's sort of like falling away now. And the kind of the first time I saw it was I remember Shane at work. Um, there, everyone started saying that like anyone under the age of 24 doesn't know who Kevin Costner is. This was like a decade ago mm. or something like that. And I couldn't. I couldn't believe it. I was like, no fucking way. And we asked our, our like, it was like an intern or, or a production coordinator at the time. Candace. Yes. Yeah. She was like, she was like, what, 22 or something at the time? 22? I can't remember. But yeah. we asked her and she didn't know who Kevin Costner was. And it like, it blew my mind. And then she like asked a couple of her friends that were the same age. And I'm just like. Yeah, we called them. We grabbed her phone yeah. <laughs> and went through her contacts and started calling her friends. But, it, but, but that was the first time where it opened my eyes to like, oh, like we're moving in a way here, like time and all this stuff is moving in a way where stuff is falling off at the back end. And even something that feels recent, like Lonely Island, might already be falling off on the back end when it comes to comedy or parody music and stuff like that. I could be wrong, but it feels like it's moving fast and it's harder to gauge. Weirdly, though, I bet you a lot of 22-year-olds know Kevin Costner now, though, because yes. he's in the biggest TV show. Yes, Yellow- is very- what is Yellowstone? Yellowstone. People love yeah, that. Big comeback. I haven't seen mm-hmm. it, but people love it. Are you on it, Max? Like, do you do? I know. Uh, I want you though. I'm, I'm excited to watch. Yeah, it. yeah. People love that. Show. Uh, Shane, what do you got? There was a story a few weeks ago about a woman who discovered a mole at an NHL game on like an assistant oh, coach, yeah. and it turned out the mole was cancerous, and she saved his life. Hmm. So I started looking at my head. <laughs> And I noticed I got a new mole coming right here. Huh. Do you see that? Oh, I do see it. And then this one is getting crazy. I, so I didn't I'm, notice That's it. the OG, yeah, though. The, uh, You've always had that. This is the OG yeah. mole, but it's gotten so fucking huge. And this one just came out of nowhere. So I'm on, I'm Googling about my own mortality, all this. I'm trying to get an appointment to get this mole removed yeah. and to check out to see if it's cancerous. So I'm a... I'm freaking out. I wondered what what is your guys' relationship with being a hypochondriac, spotting things in yourself, 
freaking out? Like, do you have that at all? Yeah, I think everybody has that to a degree. I mean, I think it's I think some people just talk about it a little bit more or can get a little more extreme. But I think everybody thinks about stuff and thinks worst case scenarios. And um, and also, I think some people are more uh, self-sabotaging in the way they go about dealing it with it. So I think when you go down the, the WebMD portal and you start looking up things on the Internet, that's a destructive concept because I don't think it actually helps a lot. So... Um, yeah, I mean, I think everybody does. Uh, Mike, you, you, what about you? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Like, I can I can get spun out for sure. And then I just have to... Like, I actually had a doctor look at my moles six months ago. Because I was like... Yeah. I had, a, I had like, a big mole on my back. And I was like, I got to get someone to look at this, man. And I got some moles, like, on my chest. So I was like... I went to this doctor and looked at it. And he's like, no, nah, that's fine. Those are good. I'm like, do I need to see, like, an actual, like, dermatologist? He's like, no, nah, you're good. I'm like, all right, cool. How can he be so confident? Though? I don't know. That's how you get the job, I guess. But he was confident. It made me feel good. And I, I dapped him up and walked out. Wow. Are you getting checked by somebody? Yeah, I am. But it's going to be like four months. Like everything goes so slow. And this mole, it, like, look how dark it is. Mm. This mm. wasn't there before. Hey, well, if we have any listeners that are uh, dermatologists mm. and want to, you know, do a little home appointment for Shane. I don't know if that's allowed yeah. or what. Or Shane will pay you, right? You guys <laughs> yeah. got. Well, oh yeah, well, I'll pay anything. <laughs> yeah, yeah, great. You, you know all that money mm-hmm. that's coming in on the side pod that Alex is doing. <laughs> you guys got you got money to burn. <laughs> like I, I am the ultimate hypochondriac, but this it does seem legitimate. The, the other thing that happens all the time is that like you see one news story yeah. and it confirms your worst yes. things. She's like, oh my god, this is me, the the, the guy who. Who's the Vancouver Canucks equipment guy? He's got spotted. Thank God, saved his life. Same thing, even like with um, on a more serious note, with um, COVID, with like children, and like the, the statistically speaking, it's like the chances of like anything really bad happening to a kid that has COVID is tiny, tiny, tiny. But then you hear about the one tragic story, right, mm-hmm. of, of a baby dying or something like that, and every. You know, I, I have some friends whose kids, whose small, small children, I think baby, I think they're actually babies, not just like Max version of babies. They're not like seven. They're actually like nine months old or whatever. Got COVID. And then you just you immediately just think of like that one tragic case in Montreal or wherever it was where some baby died. And you're like, that's the only thing you can think of. But like statistically speaking, you you know, you, you try to like lean on like what are the actual chances given given the situation? Yeah. yeah. Uh, guys, um, what do you think of? um Doug Ford, uh, <laughs> yesterday or two days ago, uh, our our premier of Ontario, he <laughs> uh, he's not very popular right now. So we want to give the situation a little bit of context uh, because you know people on the left generally don't like him because he's conservative, and people on the right now don't really like him either because they he he's like been imposing a fair number of lockdown measures, at least compared to places like Florida. Uh, you know, Ontario is pretty locked down. He ended up driving around like Toronto helping people shovel out of their uh, snow situation with their cars and was also doing interviews with television networks on FaceTime while he was driving around in the snow. Did you, did you guys catch any of this? Yeah. I heard of it. Yeah. Yes. Well, for, for context, like for anyone that listens outside of sort of this part of Ontario, we had like the biggest snowstorm I can remember in 20 years. Like it was like snowmageddon insane, like hours and hours of shoveling. Uh, and then, so the premier Doug Ford went out in his car and was like, 
helping people performatively with this tiny little shovel trying to like shovel it up. wasn't performatively it was it was functional okay max uh big doug ford fan uh so he was like he was out there grinding doing the work shoveling and all that stuff uh what what is the question uh, is is it yeah and why do you care so much whether or not it's performative or not i didn't say performative i didn't, i no mm-hmm. you i, I didn't say just... you did i'm saying when mike said it was performative why do you defend doug ford so much <laughs> no i was just oh this is like a press conference now <laughs> <laughs> I don't give a fuck about Doug Ford. Um, no, I mean, I, guess, <laughs> I love the um, idea of that being a poll quote in a paper. Max Kerman of Arkells. I don't give I a don't fuck give a about fuck. Doug Ford. Well, I, I mean, on stage at Budweiser stage, not to bring up Budweiser stage again, <laughs> I did say fuck Doug Ford to everybody in the crowd. Wow. And also, congrats, Max, on selling it out so many times. I don't think people say yeah, it thank you. Finally. Um, but you do but, think he's good at shoveling snow. And you think that was a legitimate <laughs> altruistic act, great form. not done for press. My, I guess my question is, is like, what, what kind of politician do you guys want? Do you guys want someone who like kind of, you know, rolls up their sleeves and like, you know, is just a good neighborly person that like, you know, is, is willing to multitask, is doing, you know, is getting the word out there on what's happening in the city, even if that means driving in a snowstorm on FaceTime? Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, or, or would you prefer somebody who's a little bit more, I don't know, white collar who, you know, has his minions do the snow shoveling? You what do, what have do you have to do the I would be the type like how Keanu Reeves does publicity where he goes out of his way to sit down on a subway <laughs> and pretends he doesn't know he's being videotaped and then offer <laughs> offer the seat to the woman. Like, have yeah. you ever watched that clip? Oh, like, yeah. He knows he's being taped. It's so you obvious. Think so? <laughs> yes. But that's the way you need to be. So if Doug Ford set it up in some way where he was wearing a ski mask or a disguise <laughs> of some sort and was out shoveling and then had somebody like surreptitiously take a photo of him and leak it to the press. And it was like, here's Doug Ford out there helping out people not wanting press. You'd get way more press and be way more beloved. That's the way I would do it. Yeah, there were some cynical journalists on Twitter like, oh, and it, what a coincidence that somebody just happened to be there filming the whole thing, <laughs> like, you know, three feet in front of him as he was doing that. But you, it, he wasn't wearing a ski mask, was he? <laughs> no. The ski mask is key. You have to obstruct your identity and act like you don't want to be seen. And then even if somebody interviews you, you're, you're like, I'm, I'm not Doug Ford, but you clearly are, and you're doing a bad imitation. <laughs> Why is Doug using the Batman voice? I'm not Doug Ford. I refuse to reveal my identity. <laughs> I don't, I don't know. I think that different people, I think if that had been a politician that people weren't fed up with that don't feel like bungled this pandemic and everything, like it's like anything. I think if you like, it's like if it's Keanu Reeves out there helping, people love it. I think people feel like Doug Ford has done so little and, and messed up so many times along the way over these last two years that him now getting out and shoveling is like, it's like, what, what do you like? Why go back to your office and figure out some fucking policy. Like it's been so mishandled that this is what you're actually going to get out and do. And I think that's why I think if it's, if it's somebody that felt like they'd been doing something good this whole time, or at least was on top of things. And then they get out in the snowstorm with their little shovel and maybe their balaclava or their ski mask. It's like, it's that they they that's fine. It's just, I think it's cause it's Doug Ford. And it's like it's like the kid that didn't do shit for the school pro the group project, but then he like shows up on like the day of presentation with some donuts. It's like fuck off, Mike. Who's your favorite politician of all time? <laughs> oh, let me get out my list. I I don't know. I don't think about this <laughs> top five. Yeah, Mike. Top five. Oh, that's so hard, man. I got to whittle it down for my top fifteen. Uh, no, I I don't know. Who, like, there's politicians from our youth that are just like 
famous people. You're like, oh, that's kind of you're an Jean Chrétien guy. I, I did go to see during. I remember there was during a separation in like '94. I got on a school bus and we went to like chant, "Don't separate." Uh, about really? Quebec. What was that called again? The uh, the referendum. Yeah, the referendum. Yes. I remember watching the the poll numbers on that. Yeah, it was kind of exciting. So me and my 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 best friend when I was a kid, Lee, we got on this bus in Hamilton. His mom, they were like civic minded and stuff, and they're like, "Do you want to go to Montreal?" So they put both of us on buses. We were like 13 years old. And we, without parental supervision, we went to to Montreal or oh. Quebec, and we chanted like "Don't leave, stay, stay." And then Jean Chrétien comes out. Our, our so for those that don't know, he was our prime minister in those days of Canada. So it was a big deal, and I wasn't. But mm-hmm. he he like I reached out because I was in like the lineup with the crowd of like kids, and like he he high fived me, touched my hand, and I was wow. like, "Wow, the prime minister." Can you do a Jean Chrétien imitation? Uh, not if I want to <laughs> keep this podcast and my new podcast, <laughs> Children Ruined uh, Podcast. Uh, no, nah, I mean, do you got one? Well, I, well, I did, but now I can't. We've all got a French-Canadian Jean Chrétien uh, accent. I think. Max, you want to give it a go? Um, <laughs> <laughs> I okay, thought I about it. it for a split second. I did think about yeah, it. Um, but yeah, uh, so, so I, I, I guess I'll go with Mr. Chrétien. Although, what did you guys do after the referendum party uh, in Montreal? <laughs> they, stuck us, they got us back in the bus, and we drove the eight hours back to Hamilton. We didn't stay the That's night. Crazy. They they bust us out there. We were there for like five hours, and then we got back on the bus and we were home. I think at like two was, in the morning. Was there a riot? Because that was extremely close. It was like fifty one percent voted to stay. It was for like thirteen year old Mike. It was very like I don't know, man. Like it it felt it was it was energized, and I wasn't like a political kid at all. I just I was excited to go to Montreal. I'd never been. I got to go on a bus with my best friend, but once I was there. You felt like the passion for both sides. The people that are angry, it felt a little dangerous. It felt exciting. The prime minister touched my hand. Like it was, it was pretty, I was like, yeah, it was cool. It was cool. Did you get drunk or anything afterwards? Because they'll give beer to kids and stuff in Montreal. <laughs> That's how they got us on the it's bus. Like Europe, yeah. like France. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I was drinking wine. Yeah. Yeah. No, we didn't do that. We didn't do that. I wish. Hmm. But so yeah. I guess, I guess I'll put them on my list. Who's your favorite politician involved? I mean, we know it's. Obama, but do you have anyone yeah. else on the list? Um, there's a city councilor in Toronto named Joe Cressy who I like a lot. Oh, yeah, he's a local dude. Um, and then obviously Doug when he's out shoveling. <laughs> yeah, just in those moments, yeah, he, yeah. He, he he cracks the top five. Puts in that work. If he had a snowblower, it would have been better. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, like people love a snowblower. They do. They do. My brother-in-law has one and he came over and he did. Uh, I, well, so here's the thing. So I got, we got a message that, cause the, again, snowmageddon was nuts. I got two kids, but someone's got to do the damn shoveling. And Danica was like, Oh, like, uh, yeah, Clay's going to come over with a snowblower. I'm like, great. Uh, but I, I still got to, I got to be out there doing it for when he comes yeah, over. You have to pretend. I yeah. can't just like be like lazing up in my joggers when he rolls up. So I go out to do it. And then she's like, Oh, it's, it's like out of gas. I'm like, all right, well, I'm doing the damn thing. Two hours. It took me to do my, my driveway, wow. my sidewalk, mm. everything. It was wild, man. But, uh, yeah, people with snowblowers like become Kings on the street. And do you actually, here's a question. Do you, if you have the snowblower, do you feel obligated to do all your neighbors? Mm. You have to. Or else you're in trouble. Like, then the neighbors don't like you. Mm. I would feel it. There's some neighbors who don't, which is a weird move. But that's why I think it's not worth it to buy a snowblower. <laughs> hey, it's Shane, such a big responsibility. Can you name three politicians? Max, what, why do you think? <laughs> like, I know you're all high and mighty. You sold out Budweiser stage how many times again? But Yes. <laughs> Bill <me> Clinton. <laughs> Obama. Yeah. Yeah. Barack Obama. Yeah. And that's the same person. Um, I used to have a piggy bank when I was young mm. and it was, uh, it was a, it was a pig like figure, but the, f- <laughs> the face was 
uh, Brian Mulroney. Oh, it's a political statement. Oh. You had a political statement piggy bank. I didn't know that. I just thought it was funny because the, the pig had this big chin and this mouth and it, it took your money. <laughs> I didn't know it was like, oh, he's a crook or whatever. But yes, that's my list. I could probably name five if I was forced to. <laughs> John Kretchen, for example. And Give me one more. Pierre Trudeau. Oh, yeah. there you go. Which leads you to another politician. Yeah, what's the handsome Trudeau? What's his first name again? <laughs> Do you not know? I forget. It's just lost. <laughs> like, I know it. Give me his initial. I'll tell you. No. No, 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 no. No, you know, no. we're not going to give you no, his initial. No, uh, I know who he is, obviously. Good it's just you. sometimes, like, I forget my kids' names sometimes. Like, I'm. it's just, <laughs> it's gone from my mind. I know it. If you give me the initial, I know it. Okay, we're, we got to wrap up this pod in uh, 10 seconds. Trudeau. Um, what, what is his name? Ten, uh, nine, a, no, eight, Benny, seven, no. Benny, uh, six. What's a C five, name? Charlie? No. D. Dominic? Four, no. E. Three, Aaron? No. Two. Freddie? No. I don't know. Uh, Freddie? Uh, that's it. That's all. That's our episode. Thank you Jay. so much for listening. <laughs> We're not going to tell you, no. Shane. Don't look it up. We'll, we'll we'll pick this up next week. Sounds great. Thank you so much, everyone, for listening. This is Leave crazy. a comment, all that business. Subscribe. Uh, Justin. Hey! Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. When it comes to your finances, you think you've done it all. You've saved, you've researched, and you've invested all that you can. Now it's time to take those investments to the next level by using the brand behind every great investor, Yahoo Finance. As America's number one finance destination, Yahoo Finance has everything you need, whether you're a seasoned trader or just dipping your toes into the market. Join the millions of investors who trust Yahoo Finance to guide them on their financial journey. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit yahoofinance.com the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com.